Is your local business missing that little extra oomph? What if I told you your message could reach thousands of sports fans all across the Columbus area, including the ones that listen to this station? Partner up with Ignite Sports and the Columbus River Dragons for the 2022-23 season and watch your big idea become the next big thing in Columbus. For partnership details and to speak to a representative, call 706-507-4625. That's 706-507-4625. You love and support your local sports teams. Now let your local sports teams support you. Partner with the River Dragons this hockey season all right everyone welcome to a new episode of two minutes for roughing i am your host the minor league rando uh this time we're here for a three-person episode of course the common person right beside me mark and we're also joined by uh, i think our first repeat guest uh matt togerson uh, of course the minor pro hero himself the agent man the, our boss at the same time uh, welcome, guys. I, I think we're going to have a very um, entertaining episode based off the little I've heard uh, of this one story so far when it comes to the uh, WPHL. Yeah, so the, this came to us just a day or two ago. I, bro- I I think I was the one who first released it, but like we all kind of found out at the same time. Uh, to put it bluntly... Las Vegas millionaires are anything but millionaires. Uh, in fact, <laughs> they are uh, broke. And the stories that are coming out from play from players and players' families, oh boy, oh boy, uh, it makes Vermillion County look stable. Yeah, it's ugly. It's really ugly. It's uh, uh, I mean, uh, bad situation. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm based for this story in strange, weird events because I don't really talk about the WPHL. I'm actually kind of the, the, the one who doesn't have the information this time. So I'm going to kind of be the one asking the questions. I'm going to basically kind of be uh, standing for the audience here. Let's just start with like kind of the basics. What, what, what started this chain of events? Um, okay, so... I'm going to go and just give a quick recap for those who don't know what the WPHL is or was, uh, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, no problem. So it's a proposed hockey league um, to go pro. The, the idea is to take teams from the Black Diamond Hockey League um, and have them go pro, kind of like a FPHL Northwest kind of idea to it. Which, and I, mean, I don't mind that idea. I think that's not a bad idea in concept. Yeah, concept-wise, fantastic. Throw it down on a piece of paper. Go ahead. It, it looks good, sounds good. Um, if you look at the region that they're planning on filling things in with, it's a sexy area for hockey, really is. But I yeah. think in the long run, how this has gone about has been run horribly wrong. Um, there was teams that were supposedly supposed to show up. They never did. And we ended up with the Las Vegas millionaires. Yeah. So, so we've covered the, this league a few times on the podcast. Uh, one of the most famous stories was back in the summer, they lost the Billings blizzard because it, it wasn't even because of anything specifically with the league. It's just the Billings blizzard owners, were just outright terrible. They were also not good with how to handle money or teams or anything. So that left the Las Vegas Millionaires being the only one. So 
what they ended up doing was being like, hey, let's just put all these teams, let's let's find all these semi-pro teams within the region and let's just play games against them and see maybe what we can do. And like you said, Matt, all these teams were basically from like the Black Diamond or the uh, Mountain West, I believe it's called. Yeah, Mountain Um, West Hockey League. Yeah, so places like Reno and uh, Santa Rosa. And yeah, it's... They played four games all against, and I believe they were all against Santa Rosa, I believe. And they won one of those games, actually. I think they won like the first game, and then the other three games have been an absolute slaughter. Yeah, one of the games that got spanked 16 to 3. I I think the other two games weren't much different. Yeah. So, uh, definitely. Ugly hockey. Uh, the Vegas Millionaires uh, are owned by uh, two people. Um, I will say this: that the negative comments, the negative experience um, that has been shared with me, at the very least, um, has all come off of the back of one of the owners, not both. Yeah, so take that for what you will. Usually, like when you hear about a team having a lot of frustration, a lot of issues with the ownership group, it's the group, not just one owner. Uh, here, yeah, it, it's one guy who seems to be ruining the whole entire thing. So, are we okay? So, I'm gonna just kind of point this out here. Are we gonna keep this name anonymous for now or? We gonna, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna use the initials. I think really here, um, the reason why I'm going with this is the the person that um, is responsible for a lot of this. He's gone out of his way to um, allegedly harass a lot of people. Yeah. Um, regarding the team, from players themselves to family members to fans um there's sponsorship issues there's a a lot of stuff that has happened um let me know when it is that you want me to kind of get into the real big deal here uh because there's a lot of stuff to discuss here yeah like go right ahead because like because this is why we brought matt on to be honest because he has some information that we've been that he's been holding on to, and we wanted it to be exposed right here for everybody to hear for the first time. So the idea of this, much like in the Federal Prospects Hockey League, when you join the team, there is housing available for you. Um, we all know in lower pros, the accommodations aren't always the greatest. Sometimes you have three to four guys in uh, certain units, sometimes you have three guys sharing a room. Um, it started off kind of looking decent for some of these guys. Uh, some of them had some okay-looking apartments. Um, one, of the, one of the players, particularly I know very well, uh, actually ended up being a client of mine in the end. Um, I've seen the photos and whatnot uh, of a couple places. They look decent. I mean, they weren't in the worst of shape, I guess, initially when they got there, but things quickly tanked. Um, FS 
is the initials of this one particular owner. Uh, I'll just call him F for this from this point forward. Um, he would show up with uh, a pet that definitely left its bodily fluids and matter uh, all over the place in a number of housing units from apartments to homes. Um, allegedly, even a hotel room at one point fell victim to this. Oh my uh, God. He would show up whenever he felt like it because, and I quote, I own the place, but also, and I quote, on the paperwork, his name isn't even listed. Um, so, no, he really had no legal uh, foothold to use to say that he can go into a property at any, any time that he wished because uh, his name was never on the lease. Um, he, oh, Jesus. Yeah, wow. he showed up uh, on a number of occasions um, asking to borrow things from players, uh, including their television. <laughs> um, I, I'm not really what? sure really what that's all about. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Came in and was like, I'm going to take this TV. It's like, no, that's, that's mine. I brought that with me from um, my home state on the East coast. Uh, you cannot just waltz in here and, and take our television. Uh, so that was the first laughable um, offense that I heard about. I don't know what you guys think of that. It, it's, it's, I mean, okay, so let's see, uh, breaking and entering, uh, uh, theft, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some other things brought to light here. All right, yep. hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to put interject here. I, I, I have heard one story mm-hmm. it is Mark, you know what I'm talking about? Cause you yes. told me it. Is that the crazy part or is, or, I mean, or, that's, or mo- that that's the, the craziest part that I know. Okay, but I'm then sure if, Matt has something spicier. All right, because I think people are going to love this one. Yeah. Um, tell me about the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I was waiting for this, honestly. <clears throat> I apologize here. Um, so there is a particular strip club in Vegas um, that is operated. Um, Basically, by the rival, or at least at one point, the rival of uh, Playboy. Um, Okay, so um, Penthouse Magazine, their owner uh, initially. So he owned and operated this. I believe he's dead now, but uh, everything's operated under his name as it is. So uh, you end up with a bunch of players who are local, um, who are there, uh, that obviously experienced things like the Las Vegas Jesters hockey team, which is in the Mountain West League. Uh, a good friend of mine, Adam Steele, was uh, a coach there for a while. Uh, one of my clients, Charles DeBow, even played for that team. But I digress. We're going to keep going on here. So um, F invited all these players out. He took them to uh, this strip club. And within an hour had spent about $3,000 uh, for private dances. Hmm. And Now, um, F, prior to all this, didn't seem to have two pennies to rub together on his own, um, just based off of conversations I've had with a number of people upon meeting him. You know, he just didn't seem to have a lot of money uh, available and definitely not, you know, 3K that he can drop uh, within an hour, it's definitely believed that 
the money for this excursion field trip, happy fun times, uh, came from sponsorship money. Oh, oh no! So, so, so F has taken the team or some people on a wholesome yep. family trip to a strip club and th- using sponsorship money. Okay, that's. That's a first. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. I will say I didn't know about the specific sponsor money detail before. Oh boy, oh that's 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 a wonderful thing. It, it's yeah. speculation, really, at this point, as to whether it was sponsorship money. But putting two and two together, he's not the kind of guy to be able to put that much money together, um, and openly be willing to drop it. And and there's reasons why uh, it's believed that. It came from sponsorship money, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. But the 3K isn't even the worst really part of it is because afterwards he was paying $500 a dance uh, for what they call private couch dances. Yep. So there was, you know, 500 bucks here, 500 bucks there, 500 bucks there. And, you know, you go to a strip club, there's bound to be alcohol purchase there's bound to be food purchase there's all sorts of things that happen in those places so i I unfortunately don't have you know an exact tally as to how much money was spent um but i'm under the impression that it was north of 5k please wow (laughs) so I, i you know it's ugly right i mean is it boys being boys? Absolutely. Do strip clubs uh, appear in many hockey stories? Call Paul Bissonnette and Whitey and give a call to Jeremy Roenick, and I'm sure they will be able to give you all the stripper stories you can think of. But that's for, like, NHL players, not for an entire league that we that doesn't even have an income at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and if you go onto this team's page, onto the Vegas Millionaires page, there is a number of sponsors on there from, I believe, a tattoo place to um, Pepsi is somehow in the mix of this. Uh, Pepsi is currently seeking out, um, at least that's what I've been told most recently, that they are seeking out F uh, with regards to sponsorship money and some current concerns that they have uh, about it. Um, I don't believe it was spent efficiently um it very well very well could have ended up you know uh in the hand of a lovely stripper as it is a lovely entertainer yeah mm. so, so going go ahead oh, no, I, I think i think you're going to kind of get into the i guess what 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 is this that mark has not even really heard that that we're kind of reaching yeah because you you've been kind of going because there's, I've been getting the hints that there's still more to this that you were still finding out when this first broke. Yeah. So uh, one of the guys that I was talking to, like unfortunately, just timing wise, wasn't able to give me uh, quite a bit here before uh, today's episode. But I, I have other items here in the bag. Um, another issue for sure for the team was uniforms when they were being ordered, uh, and when they finally showed up, they were. Um, all sorts of sizes, definitely not the right sizes for players. Uh, within their first game, uh, name bars were falling apart. Numbers were coming off the back of uniforms. Um, that's definitely not very professional. Uh, makes me wonder where they were purchased from. Um, 
that's that's an ugly look for for the team for sure. Um, a lot of the local players after camp, so they had their big free agent camp. They made a pretty big deal out of it. Yeah. Um, they had a ton of players show up from Vegas. You had guys coming in from Connecticut. You had some Canadians that came in uh, from Alberta, which isn't all that far, which is where I am. Um, you had guys coming in from New York State, uh, Virginia, uh, all of varying competitive levels. Uh, you know, guys who've played ACHA, guys who played NCAA uh, three through one. Uh, a couple guys that showed up there played uh, a little bit in the Federal League. A couple guys showed up from the Southern Professional Hockey League. So you had a wide variety of guys showing up, uh, doing their best to make the team. There's a big video of them all doing a big power skate around the rink. Um, then, you know, after they finished their free agent camp, they made a pretty big deal, at least on the surface on their website, uh, especially through Facebook. Uh, of announcing all these players that they've signed going into what eventually ended up being basically four games and nothing happens really in the end. So he gets his lineup put together. Um, he makes a bunch of promises that, you know, you guys are going to get paid. Um, it's a variety of money here. One of my players uh, that went out there, and I want to say this uh, flat out, my guy went there without uh, informing me that's where he was going. He just uh, bought into what was being sold. Um, I didn't have a chance to vet any of the information whatsoever uh, from an agency standpoint, um, but he was rather gung-ho. And I thought, you know, from what it was sounding like, uh, it was good. And it wasn't sounding like something that was like too good to be true, but uh, it really was in the end. The players were expecting about 175 bucks a week in, in some levels, so very much similar to the Federal League. Um, but nobody got paid. Like, nobody. Like, um, a couple of the guys that maybe got a little bit of money were guys who came in from out of town. Um, and from my understanding, they had to make some pretty serious threats uh, in order to get even a dime out of this franchise. So one seventy five. That's a little bit better than average uh, Fed pay. But for the people who are like out of town, like basically, were these threats like we're going to leave or we're going to walk out if you do not pay us? Or yeah, a lot of them were. Like you know, that. if there's no money here, I'm gone. Uh, you made promises that you have not kept. Uh, we're not going to be here. Uh, or you know, hey, we've been fronting for meals. How come we haven't been? Uh, you know, given compensation for those things. Uh, so it got ugly. They had to go out to, uh, what was it, Santa Rosa was the team that they played, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they they did a, a series at home uh, in Vegas, and then they were going to go out to Santa Rosa. Now, uh, for their Santa Rosa trip, they didn't, have, their owner, uh, one of their owners, Mr. F, did not come on the trip. Um, I've been informed that it's more than likely because there is a debt owed to a player on that Santa Rosa team, uh, in the numbers of over $2,000. Um, wow. so he, he just didn't want to go to pay that person money that he had owed. Um, at least that is what is widely believed by players. 
um, and by members from the Santa Rosa team. Um, the other owner gets there, goes to use the team card uh, to pay for meals. Uh, they were going to get pizza at the end of the game, and that card got declined. Oh. Mm. So, I mean, okay, you got 18 players. Let's just give that as a number. Four pies should do it, and you can't even afford that. Uh, what ended up happening is one of the players' girlfriends got recruited, and she ended up paying for um, for the team's meal, and she still has yet to be compensated for that. Oh, geez. Um, going backwards, they've also been kicked out of their home arena. Oh, oh, oh. so that's that's the Pepsi Ice Center, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, this was a message from one of the other teams um, who was asking, like, what's going on with scheduling? Uh, this makes no sense. Are we, like, you guys don't even have an arena to play in. Are we supposed to be there? Like, we don't want to fall for this crap anymore. Um, this seems sketchy, so we're going to decline and we're not even going to participate in a upcoming game. Um, and I think that may have been the last straw because players en masse through a group conversation that they have on Facebook um, were basically being called out by Mr. F. Um, he was saying all sorts of derogatory things, calling players out, saying that they couldn't skate and that they're garbage. Um, please keep in mind that this guy has a 10-game career that played out for the Battle Creek Rumblebees. Um, no goals, no assists. Uh, a couple penalties. He was basically a nobody call on last minute joke of a player. Um, so he went around touting his stats with um, the Rumblebees and, and acting like he was a big shot. So he, he basically just shot his mouth off at every player possible that had a disagreement with him. Uh, and it came to a rallying point underneath their captain. And everybody said, you know what? Fuck it. We're out. So they walked. So at the moment, would you at least suspect that the Las Vegas millionaires are playerless and uh, theoretically also penniless? Penniless or fairly close to it, unless he's gotten new sponsors. Uh, the last sponsor, though, that I saw listed on their page, I believe, comes from September 12th. So... Uh, with it being December, I imagine a lot of that money is gone by now. Yeah. Uh, whatever money there was. Um, by and large, uh, word has spread throughout the uh, Vegas hockey community to not join this team and how big of a scam it has become. Um, that's not through my own doing. That's from what, he, what has happened with the local players that showed up to be involved in this thing. Yeah, this is... It, you know, I've I've given crap to certain teams on this podcast, but this is far beyond getting crapped on. This is a pure scam. It, it's I it, this is just inf it kind of infuriating, but also just incredibly unbelievable that people. Okay, there's been times in the past where similar things have happened. But people keep trying to freaking do it. They keep 
doing stupid things, saying, oh, we're going to do this to we're going to do a pro hockey team. Oh, we're going to do pro hockey league. And then they do this every time. Yeah, it speaks volumes to it. I mean, the interstate hockey league drama from a few years ago, um, that ghost still lingers and still affects a lot of the small markets that it was trying to be involved in, um, allegedly, uh, in the Eastern hockey market. So you can only wonder what, the far-reaching effects are going to be of this drama. That's really upsetting to me because, like I said, I I've been kind even before this whole league actually like first made its presence known back in, like a year or so ago, like over a year ago. Like I was I was thinking about like this area, like in the like the western. Like west of the Mississippi, like towards this area, like the frontier area, that like, man, it's kind of like a desert in terms of pro hockey. But there's plenty of markets here that could that could host it, especially given like a Fed level league. And then lo and behold, this league pops up. I'm like, oh sweet, this is actually a really good idea. And now look what's happened. I mean, you can call, you can call it exactly what it is. This is basically poisoned the whale, not whale, but well, uh, for I guess you can we even call this pro hockey? It was semi pro basically for yeah. what it was. You said, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. To be fair, to be absolutely fair, if you look at what like if you look at predecessor leagues from the Fed, we're talking like the EPHL, the MAHL, like. Yeah, those leagues were kind of bad too. But eventually we got the Fed, which to be fair was not great in the beginning either, but it's gotten better over the years, over a decade now that it's been. It's just, I don't want to say it's completely poisoned the well because there's still, I think there's still something there, but it needs to be the right people. And clearly F was nowhere close to that. Yeah, so... I guess kind of a way to cap this off in this conversation, I, I, I think based off what everyone is saying here, um, there, there's no way this team can really make a comeback uh, unless there's some big changes, I think. And I guess could, and I don't know how to say this, but could in a couple of years, could, could something similar return and maybe kind of uh, fix what happened and maybe actually work? Yes. At some point, something could. Yeah. But I think uh, for the next at least two years or so, we're not going to see anything. Yeah. Like, for the most part, you you guys know my typical take with anything with my pro hockey, especially at this level. Anything can happen at any moment and never say never because no nothing is safe, nothing is sacred, but anything can happen at any moment. Yeah, and that's why I'm just like, <laughs> that's why I'm just like, I, I, how about this? I would be sad if nothing would happen with this area. Cause like I said, I still think that the, the frontier area, the Rocky mountain area and just the Western general could have lower Meyer pro. Like it, it just, it just, you know, actually for the same reason that people went back, went to that area a long time ago, it looks like a potential gold mine. Yeah. 
Well, um, I guess on that, let's just kind of go ahead and move into leagues that are able to sustain themselves and uh, keep going. Uh, wow, the but FPHL. Can but can markets do that? And therefore, oh. we're talking about the FPHL. And therefore, as we were recording this later tonight, the first Baton Rouge game. Yes, and the, the and, and it's the dreaded word that I cannot say because I am terrible in saying this word. Uh, exhibition game uh, between the um, making sure it gets Carolina and Mississippi. Yeah, um, an unneeded. You could have just made this regular season, but oh, okay. Um, a strange uh, case, but let's go and talk about the standings. Uh, Columbus. Uh, played Danbury. Mark, I know you were very excited for this series. I was too. I managed to catch uh, the first game. I guess Columbus got kind of put in their place, but at the same time kind of proved their place. Would you agree with that? Yeah, so game one, it's what you would expect between the two top teams in the Fed being basically neck and neck. And that's how they were during that entire game. They were neck and neck. It took a Nearly last second goal by Columbus to send it to overtime. Overtime wasn't enough, I don't think. It went into a shootout, and Danbury actually took it on the road in game one. Yeah. Um, Matt, I have to ask. Uh, I, I, I just This was probably, at the moment, uh, barring some crazy change, the two best teams in the league, I think, for the rest of the year going at it. I mean, displaying the series, was this, in, in your eyes, a big sign of Danbury and Columbus? Could we see this again in May? You certainly could. Uh, I do want to throw in, though, the Binghamton Black Bears. They definitely made some improvements, adding Justin Coachman, uh, amongst other players that are going to be coming in uh, in the next couple weeks. This team looks really good. But, yes, going back to your point, is it highly likely in May we end up seeing Columbus and Danbury? Yeah, absolutely. i put money on it. Yeah, right. but then game two was not what one would expect in a series like this. And this is where Columbus, I think, was a little angry. Yeah, this was definitely an anger game, a venting game. Uh, I'm sure Bouchard was not very happy <laughs> with what happened. Uh, 5-0 shutout against Danbury. So, yeah. Woo, yeah. So Columbus does technically win that series because... They got four points out of Danbury's only two. But it was still close in terms of that. But that second game, here's the thing. If I'm Danbury, I'm looking at the footage of that and making sure that that does not happen again. Mm. Uh, Matt, I I have to ask about your your opinion. I guess we'll kind of both uh, Columbus and Danbury. I mean, Columbus has been a team. I thought thought they were weak after the – the first time they played Mississippi, they got shut out 3-0. And they have made a very much a comeback, and they best team in the league, right? I mean, I'm not, I don't think we're crazy on saying that. No, you're not crazy at all. Columbus, the River Dragons have done uh, a fantastic job. They don't want to make any changes really in the locker room, and nor should they. Fantastic hockey team. They Jeff Krupp, uh, fantastic team that they put together. Boom Boom's obviously one of the best. Uh, coaches in the business, especially in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. They looked a little slow at the very beginning, um, but, I mean, the, they were rather quick to ignite uh, into being a way better uh, hockey club than 
I guess, really what a few people expected uh, at the beginning of the year. And really, they had to let go of a lot of talented guys uh, from their opening camp. So there was a lot of interest in being at River Dragon for this year. And the guys that they have walked away with for this year, fantastic. Um, Bailey McBurney, lights out. Brilliant goaltending. Uh, Colgan, another brilliant goaltender. It really doesn't matter which one of them is in net. Uh, Good luck getting through that brick wall that's standing in front of you. Um, Ozo, I mean, he's been there for forever. Um, The Crane, he's done a fantastic job. Uh, Jay Krupp, again, another great leader. The the, the captain, Josh Petriantonio, he's always been fantastic. That team just looks good. And, of course, you can't forget uh, Justin Schmidt. Um, He's very important to that franchise. I mean, look at it. They even... We're willing to trade away uh, ex-NHL player Ian White, who ended up with Motor City. So, I mean, they're a fairly confident team. They have a lot of uh, right tools in the right place, and I sincerely would not be surprised to see them in the final. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Ian White and Motor City, uh, let's just go and talk about them. Uh, They did did lose a big piece, but uh, they have been – they've kept on chugging, I mean – uh, I won't say they're there with Columbus for fighting for that first spot, but it seems like they are very close to it uh, each week. I mean, let's talk about the loss first, of course. Travis Ridgen, uh, Travis for Oilers on YouTube. Uh, I think it was Friday uh, is when the new like the, the transaction yeah. came out. Uh, hip injury is the word right now uh, that he has um, out for the season. Um, so that's I, at least a, even if he did not get any playing time really, that's still a big loss when it comes to promoting and having some names on the team, but still Motor City keeps going. Um, I guess uh, thoughts, you know, from, you know, this for this past week with the Motor City. Yeah. So Trav, I, I hear you saying, I know there's going to be some people listening that don't particularly like him. I don't really have that really negative opinion on him or really even a positive. It kind of looks like, yeah, you know, but from what I seen of him, he wasn't even that bad, and I kind of feel bad that he didn't get more playing time. But I will also say that he has a history with injuries. I think it's not his first hip injury either, and he's not an old person; like he's fairly young. But this is already like a recurring thing, and I'm hate to say this, but I do have to wonder if his playing career is kind of in jeopardy at this point. Mm. I, I don't. I don't think his career is in jeopardy uh, just yet. Knowing Trav the way I know him, um, him and I kind of go way back. Uh, back when I was working with the Lorette Junior Comets, uh, which is a Junior C team. There was also another Junior C team that uh, Trav was playing in. Um, junior C hockey in Manitoba is an absolute jungle. Um, there's lots of um, physicality, lots of rough stuff. Uh, Trav, he was there for, for a while there. He was in some goalie fights there. He even fought another player uh, instead of another goalie. Um, he's persevered through a lot of stuff. Now, um, are him and I the best of buds? No. Are we the worst of enemies? No. He's, he's going into this with the, with the right mindset. He's going to go ahead and get surgery done. He's going to take that time off. Um, to, to make sure that's rehabbed and, and done right. He's going to spend some time in BC with his lady, which is fantastic for him. Everybody, 
needs that mental refresh. And, and I'm sure she's going to be uh, that person that really helps him mentally cope his way through this. Um, but I, I think we see him come back next year. He said so even uh, as well, most recently um, through a couple text messages, um, through commenting on Motor City Rockers game threads. Um, so I don't think we've seen the last of them. And shout out to the Rockers and Nick Fields and their ownership group for still keeping him on the payroll. Um, because yeah. typically in the Federal Prospects Hockey League, you're injured. You're, you're a dead duck to them and out the door and bring in the next fresh body. And that to me also shows like they still see a future in him and they don't want to lose him. That that to me is damning in a good way. Like the fact that they don't want to lose him, they could, they could literally get rid of him. Like you said, they could just toss him aside like many other teams would, but they aren't with him. Well, to be fair, I'll, I'll interrupt you on this, Mark. Uh, he did drop a podcast recently where he said he was nearly traded at the end of last month. So it's like, eh, maybe. Well, I mean, we uh, don't know the specifics of that, though, too. I yeah. Mean, we don't know what, maybe what the other team was offering. Maybe it wasn't as good as what they were maybe – what Marcy was potentially giving up. I mean, Well, the Federal like, League is very fluid, right? Yeah. Um, just because you could have been traded yesterday doesn't mean that you're not the loved guy in the locker room the next day. No, and I'll have a little story on that too later on. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. So, I, like I said, I don't have an issue with Trav. And honestly, I do I do hope he plays again. I actually want to see more of what he does because I was like like I was like, huh, you know, he's not actually that bad when when he was in goal for Motor City. So I hope he comes back. I hope he comes back next season. I hope he kicks some ass. So leading from this though, um, so they have Trav, they have Blake Scott, fantastic goalie. Shout out to Blake. Uh, for hanging in there and doing all the things that he does. Uh, yeah. And then they also have Trevor Babin, and Babin was called up. Uh, he went up to Knoxville. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the goaltending responsibility fell largely onto uh, Blake Scott. And in this time period where um, Babin was playing in the SP, Blake Scott has done phenomenal. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's undefeated still this year. Wait, let's see here then. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, he's, he's done, done phenomenal. I mean, like they played, they played Delaware, um, yeah, and they they did like I mean the Delaware Thunder right now. <sighs> yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, get into okay. that, but I'll get yeah. into that later. But, but Mercy did take both games. Mercy did take both games this weekend at home. That's another yeah. thing. There was yeah, wasn't in Delaware. It was at the Big Boy Arena, which is still one of my favorite arena names in all of hockey. Uh, and it was just business as usual. Although I will say this, it was kind of a high scoring affair with and and Delaware made Mercy sweat a little bit. But that's what Delaware's been doing all season, even though they've been losing. They've been keeping it close. It's something that I've said multiple times this podcast because it keeps happening. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all um, right, but there was a major incident in that game in the last game, and that resulted in suspensions. All right, all right. So um, if you're watching the game on YouTube, you kind of caught the action, but kind of not. If you weren't paying attention to what was happening a little bit away from the puck, but Von Kluston uh, or Clouston or uh, whatever. Yeah, he, 
him and uh, Alex Susi were, were in the corner. There's a bit of a battle there for the puck. Um, neither of them came away with the puck. One of, one of their teammates uh, uh, for Motor City came out. So Susi playing for Delaware, uh, Clausen playing for Motor City. They kind of come away from it, and you can see them jawing at each other. Um, you're not really expecting it. I mean, you can't really hear what's being said on the ice from a YouTube broadcast, but um, I wasn't expecting it. Susie certainly wasn't expecting it, but out of nowhere, uh, Vaughn sucker punches him, um, dropped him. Everybody piles in. Um, Susie tries to get after him. The referees are pulling Susie away. Um, Captain Caveman, my hero, Alex Basie <laughs> yeah. comes roaring in. Um, he grabs a hold of Clouston, drops him to the ground with a classic even flow Raven esque DDT. Yes, I'm a wrestling geek. Screw off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think all three of us are. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Susie, obviously, being very upset. I mean, he, he's coming off of wearing a bubble uh, from a facial injury before. Um, referees pull him off the pile. They kind of get him over to the penalty box, and at the same time, they brought Vaughn over to the box, which was not a good idea, no. especially when you don't have your players secure. Um, thankfully, neither one of them got at each other in that moment. Susie skates down the center ice line, uh, flipped off the entire bench he uh, for Motor City, um, and he gave them the uh, throat slash gesture. Yeah. Now... During the YouTube broadcast, you can kind of see some hands go up from uh, the Motor City bench. Evidently, somehow, some way, they were able to pick out that Everett Thompson <laughs> gave him the middle finger back. Uh, so Susie got a one-game suspension. Von Clausen got a one-game suspension. And for a, a middle finger, which, I mean, it's a digit, get over it. Thompson got uh, a suspension as well for a single game from that. Mm. Overall, just another night in the Fed, but uh, yeah. 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 All but, right, moving on. Uh, Carolina. Um, your favorite team. Yes, my favorite. <laughs> Look, yeah. here's the thing. They've been, let's see, although this weekend they split, yeah, they split with Port Huron, which, to be fair, they're like same amount of points in the division, so that's expected. They do have. They both have uh, twenty four points in the division. So I mean, in their chain. So yeah, they split the weekend. Uh, Port Huron took game one, and then both games were in Winston Salem uh, by a score of seven to five. And then next night, Carolina won six to five. So pretty even high scoring affair. Yep. Okay, Matt. Although anything? there was something oh. that did happen. Oh. So there was a little. Meeting of the minds from, I think is what uh, kind of what you put as a title on one of your YouTube videos. Also, check out my bro here on YouTube. Uh, yeah, so yeah, during it looks like. Let me just make sure here. Yeah, it was Victor Gurbenikov got injured for Carolina. Yeah, and, and this would have been game one. This would have been Friday. Yeah, and he ends up getting to the bench. Um, words were exchanged in between getting up from the injury and getting to the bench, and the benches are very close there in Carolina. Yeah. So they get there, and 
Uh, Grabenikov says something. Somebody else says something on the Port Huron bench. Uh, and the Carolina bench empties and meets in front of Port Huron's bench. Uh, lots of pushing, shoving. Uh, I don't recall necessarily if any major punches were thrown. Um, that was quite a few gloves were taken off, though. Yeah, gloves were shed, but uh, it looked like a yard sale, but nothing really too extreme. And that's really surprising, but also major shout-out to Garrett Rutledge and his his boys for not completely losing their minds and, and turning this into an absolute melee like it's happened before in that arena. Uh, and shout out to Alex Johnson and uh, Matt Graham and, and the boys in Port Huron for also not letting this turn into what could have been a massive debacle. We could have had yeah. actual Federal League from Slapside. Like, it would have been great. <laughs> um, like, but yeah, if you want to ask about Carolina here, the, the Thunderbirds are playing Thunderbird hockey. They got Peter Banachek back, and that's been a huge thing. Gus Ford... Um, if you go back and watch the game-winning goal from the second game, it only happens because of a ridiculous effort while he's on his belly and has a stick um, underneath him. Somehow plays pool with the puck with a, like his stick was like a pool cue and somehow got it over to, I believe, Lucas Rowe, who uh, sniped at home. I mean, it, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant hockey. So Carolina is still rolling. They're still a competitive team. Um, they're a team that you're going to have to contend with and, and battle hard against every single night, uh, especially as we get closer to the playoffs. Yeah. And All Port right. Huron, like, they're yeah. also predict- – they're right next to each other in the stand. Port Huron, like, they, they aren't, like, strong, strong, but they aren't weak either. They – they have weaknesses. They have strengths. Carolina's a good matchup, good even matchup for them. But I do I, – I mean, they're not going to miss the playoffs in this division. They're not because of the next team we'll be talking about. But I would say fourth best in the division is probably where they are. But not fourth best. Like, how about this? They're not the fourth worst team in the league. You know, how – you know, even though they're fourth in the division, they're not like – that bag in regards to the league either. Yeah, you know, just word to the wise. Yeah. If you're gonna play Port Huron, make sure you have ice bags ready. Because you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna come out of it and bruise Carolina. Sore and you're and you've been in a battle. And that's that's prowler hockey for you right there. They are going to grind you out as much as they can. Um, and they're gonna depend on their their very good goaltending and they're gonna depend on guys like Matt Graham uh, to put the puck in the back of the net. Yo. And All right. now we get to, oh boy, oh boy, Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, Mississippi. Um, Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi. Mississippi. You got swept by Elmira. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. It, it's not as bad as you think it is, though. Let me, let me put it this way here. So I... I actually had the pleasure of talking with Joe Pace yesterday on uh, a couple of business things. But that was Joe Pace hockey that you saw uh, in those in those games for Mississippi. You saw guys um, going out there, putting in effort. You, you, you saw them putting countless shots on that. They basically got goalied twice by Thomas Proudlock. So I'm not really going to crap all over Mississippi here. This team... Looked for the first time all year. 
um, like they weren't afraid to go to their bench and get chewed out. They, they went to their bench, they took a breather, grab a sip of water and get back out there and, and do your damnedest to try to score a goal. They looked like a team that is slowly getting there and getting ready to be competitive. They just literally got goalied by Thomas Proudlock. Proudlock was brilliant for Elmira. Uh, the amount of saves that that guy made uh, and the style of stops that he made, the challenges that he had to, to face, because Elmira, too, isn't all that strong defensively. He did a brilliant job. They just got goalied, and I'm sure in the coming days here, Mississippi's going to get a lot better. Hmm. All right. Well, let's go and start talking about the Empire Division. Danbury, we kind of already talked about them, of course, split the weekend with Columbus, but had a great performance both nights. Well, not exactly night two, but still. Um, I, I guess kind of, kind of rehashing a little bit, but Danbury, barring Binghamton, but but well, to be fair, Binghamton's right behind them, but yeah. barring Binghamton kind of going crazy, uh, they're, they're taking the Empire Division, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, Jesso's yeah. been playing phenomenal, if I'm not mistaken. He's at two points a game. Um, you've got Dmitry Kuznetsov, who, uh, I mean, you leave that guy alone for a split second, he's going to burn you. Uh, you got goaltending uh, in Brian Wilson, who – uh, how he is in the Federal Prospects Hockey League is mind-blowing to me. That guy is uh, outrageous. There's a highlight actually on our Minor Pro Hero uh, YouTube channel from the Columbus game where he makes a disgusting left-toe stop up against the post. Um, I nearly tore my groin watching it. That will <laughs> give you the idea as to how good of a save that was. He's been phenomenal. Um, and a large reason as to why that team's done so well. Frankie McClendon's done well too uh, when he's been asked to, to, to be on the, on the ice for that team. Danbury is rolling. It's going to be really hard for anybody in their division except for Binghamton to put up much of a challenge. Yeah. The hat tricks got plenty of tricks. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, speaking of Binghamton, let's go and talk about them. Uh, two wins. Uh, streak so far. They had a good weekend. Um, they're only a point behind Danbury, but of course they have played more games than Danbury. Yeah. I mean, this is a good team. Uh, they are, I, I, I think there's no doubt that this is up there. Top four, top three best teams uh, in the FPHL. Uh, I, I, at the same time though, I feel like this is a team that's very quiet at the same time. It feels like they haven't had a lot of big matchups yet. Yeah. They're a quiet I mean, club. But they've got a lot of skill guys. Tyler Jurich has played really well. Tyson Kirkby, who uh, was with Evansville, I believe, last year a little bit before coming down to the FP. He's been scoring at a torrid pace. Uh, Nikita Ibashkin's been fantastic. And I mean, they just got their very first um, shutout in franchise history this weekend. Or past wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's actually kind of insane that they didn't have a shutout last year. Even though they were partic- they were actually pretty good last year too. Yeah, that's actually kind of surprising. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. So Elmira, a bit of a a great weekend for them. We kind of talked about with Mississippi how they kind of got out goalied, but for the first time, this franchise is on a winning streak, three and they have jumped streak. up based. They've won three games in a row. Yeah. yeah. Three game winning streak now. Oh, I thought you said, oh, they're on a winning streak. So I was very confused for a second. But yeah. uh, 
but yes, they have basically jumped from fifth to third uh, in the in a matter of weeks. I mean, it, it wasn't a hard jump, but still, um, a, a team that has I, I was a lot of people were kind of putting down. I was putting down. Are is anyone here really shocked though? At the same time, no. I'm surprised of the. Uh, how about this? I'm surprised of how fast it turned around. I'm surprised of the speed. That's the part I'm surprised about. I was thinking at some point they were going to turn it around, but I thought it would have been either a slow burn and or it's going to be later in the season, not like like super fast and not and just like going into late November, early December. I've been but, fortunate to have a bit of an inside track with them. Um, I have a really good relationship with Steve Donner and particularly their head coach, uh, Glenn Tomaris. Um, Glenn, when he... he he saw the way the team started. Uh, he tried to mix and match uh, pieces in, into place. Things were going very well. Um, so he, he made the drastic changes that were required. Um, not all of them were agreeable public-wise, but he, he made those choices and he stood by them. He worked practices. He got this team going into the right direction. He's got a good leadership group with Yanni Liarakos. Um, Parker Moskal's been Ryan Marker 2.0 for Elmira. It's really crazy watching how well he's played this year. Um, so shout out to the lethal weapon. That's been his nickname all year for me. Um, but th- this team looks good. And there was little bits and pieces there throughout their uh, extended losing streak where there was moments of brilliance where you're like, oh, oh, is it coming? Is Are they going to be here? Is this going to be uh, a good team? And now you're seeing that all finally come together um and i think there's security in having the three goalies that they do have i mean thomas proudlock came to them from mississippi and at the time mississippi wasn't doing very well proudlock has developed uh into essentially their number one they brought in richard shipman he's done fantastic mike Constantino went up uh into management harley white is still there um, and he's hopefully going to be getting a start here in, in the coming days. They've finally seemed to have settled down that franchise. And don't forget, they're going to get even better um, towards the end of this month when Noah Wild is back into the lineup again uh, after his upper body injury. Wow. Yeah, that's something you got to think about. But speaking of, of I, I guess it's funny how all these New York teams are kind of bunched together one, two, three, or two, three, four. Uh, yeah. Watertown. Uh, after the coaching change, um, looks like uh, not exactly a, a great weekend uh, to really bounce back off of that from three-game losing streak. Um, I know that that, that coaching change it still has some controversial reboundings that's going on right now, but it, it, it's not exactly – I'm sure fans are not exactly happy after only going uh, – I believe it was six and five at the time uh, when, when moving on from Coachman. I mean, not exactly a great weekend for the new interims. No. Don't mind me here because I'm going to go on a little bit here. Um, shout out to Curtis Mosley. He's in a very unenvi- unenviable, God, I hate that word, position, <laughs> um, having to go through the process, um, dismissing coachmen, uh, the controversy that came out from all that stuff, whether – um, what was said publicly was true or not, having to weather that storm, having to weather the storm from Benchminer, 
um, having to um, handle basically a public debacle. He's done fantastic. And uh, shout out to, to the guys on the, uh, in that locker room who, uh, you know, brave faced it and, and didn't say anything really publicly about it uh, and just went about their business on the ice. Now, right now, um, they've recognized that there's some changes that they need to make. If you look at their transaction list today, they made one that I'm not incredibly excited about relieving uh, Evan Carroll of his duties with them on the blue line. But uh, at the same time, they have a vision. They want to get stronger. They want to be bigger. They want to uh, grind you out there. That's wolves hockey. They're, they're, they're a tough, angry team. Uh, you look at past guys that they've had, the foos, that is a tornado that will either punch you in the face or deke you until your jockstrap is in the rafters. They had Ryan Devine. That's basically, you know, Captain K-Man. He's going to punch you in the head until uh, you can't think anymore. They had really solid goaltending. So they went out, they picked up Owen Liskiewicz this time around. Um, they're making a lot of these adjustments, and there's going to be a lot more adjustments to come here as they've got a really busy week here. I think three games this week because uh, they're making up the one game that they lost uh, due to the weather issues. Um, uh, yes, they New are. York State. One, two, so, three. Yeah, one against Motor City and then two against Elmira. So I fully expect this team to come out of out of this pile of controversy and uh, not fun emotions and to come away with uh, you know a, a different heading uh, on the compass, and I think they're going to go north from here. All right, and then finally, last team uh, we need to talk about Delaware. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, what, what thought? Uh, look, I want this team to have a good season finally, uh, but it feels like uh, they they had something and then it just boom, it, it's dead. I like to point out with this team, they are now in a very very unenviable position where they are below. Point one hundred, yeah. They, they're not even a five hundred. Like imagine being like below five hundred. People don't like when your team's below five hundred. Imagine being below one hundred. You can't win with eight forwards. No, I've said this in chats. I've talked this over with a number of people in the know. You can't win games with eight forwards, and that seems to be how they're operating right now. Um, You know what's frustrating though. They're like getting so tantalizingly close. That, they get yeah, they're close. very close. Yeah. That's, but they that's don't get a lot of shots. On that. It feels like they have something. Like they there's clearly something there. They if, if there wasn't, they wouldn't be getting so close to being much stronger teams consistently. Like consistently in competitive games against some of the top teams in the league. Yet they just can't get over the hump. Like, oh, I've never this team genuinely frustrates me to no end. Just because I see what they could be. I see what they could be, yet they just never can take that step. So, like, the first period of every game, they come out swinging. They do a fairly good job of um, being on attack, defending their goaltender, blocking shots. Uh, They they tend to get the majority of their game shots in in the first period. The second period, though, routinely, every freaking game, maybe minus one or two, they just disappear in front of the goalie. And Trevor Martin, McCarr, McHale, guys 
I hope that someone buys you guys a steak dinner at the end of every single game because these guys are facing Battle Creek Rumblebee shots. They're facing 60-plus shots a night, and they're keeping it close. They're on an island in the second period. It's basically the defense desperately trying to get the puck out of the zone, and by the time they finally get it out of the zone, it's dump and change. They have no, no energy to go down there and really strike back. And then the third period, they're a little bit slow to start off. And then a period of, you know, back and forth ping pong hockey in the neutral zone breaks out before they start to put the pressure back on with the final, you know, five to eight minutes left in the game. If they could finally figure out to put, you know, a full 60-minute effort together and not have a short bench, like Mark said, they're, they're so damn close, yet so damn far. Like okay, you know I'm gonna. I've been saying this. I've been saying this for a little bit. Delaware should not be the team that is currently out of a playoff spot. I'm gonna be real honest. They should not be the team currently out. I because I think they are. I think they are stronger. They are far stronger than what their record shows. Like. Genuinely, right now, I would consider them a, potentially a stronger team in Watertown just because Watertown's been looking like a downward spiral for a while. And like and like you said earlier, I give props to Mosey for trying to deal with all that. But as right now, even with a short bench, Delaware, I, I went, do Delaware and Watertown play soon? Because I want to see how that game, that kind of game would go because I would almost put donuts to dollars that Delaware would actually potentially win at least one game. Well, they do have Ryan Marker. Marker's playing inline hockey too, so he's got a lot of dedications to Team USA in that sense. Um, But he's going to be playing anywhere between 35 to 38 of the remaining games uh, for the season for the Delaware Thunder. So they will have uh, him in the lineup. And when you put him and Susie together, uh, that's a lethal combination. Um, You put Houston Wilson in that lineup. That's also another guy that uh, does a really good job there. Um, he, that, that's a guy that last year when he was on the Bobcats, yeah, I was, he was like the only player on that team last year that I was actually impressed with. And the fact that he's in the Fed right now kind of makes me mad. Like I want him on my team. I said yeah, I want him on my team. And Brendan right. O'Reilly is another guy there that has been banging bodies. He he does everything that's asked of him. You know, uh, Coach Lou taps on the shoulder and says, "Hey, you know, we need to be hard factoring on." Number 22, well, that's what O'Reilly does. He goes out there, he bangs bodies, he uh, gets them the puck again. And, I mean, he's he's not yet really on the score sheet yet, but, I mean, uh, all the intangibles that you need are there from from him and uh, a number of other players on that roster. Basie uh, is Basie. He, he comes in there, he protects the guys. Had a fantastic interview with uh, Delmara Sports Network uh, not that long ago. They, the team is on the cusp of something. It's just they're at the end of the day, the statistical line is not reflective of the efforts that they're putting on the ice. Yeah, and that that's a, just frustrating, just for any team. But that is just that's the one word I could describe Delaware Thunder with frustrating. Yeah. All right, Mark. Speaking of your team, uh, I know you just love this topic, um, but basically, right. a, a, a topic from. Literally from the first topic of the show is back uh, back in the news. Uh, so 
news came out uh, Friday, I want to believe, that an interview was circulating where the general manager of the Peoria Civic Center basically Mark, I'll let you take it, fill in the blanks where if I'm missing anything, but basically said where there was once plans to basically re- uh, redo the entire ice plant that those basically dead and it is now going to be put into other means. This is already, we've, as we talked about on the show, this has been known since at least July, I want to say, Mark. Around yeah, then. it's been ongoing for a month and months now. Yeah. Um, but that news is basically circulated into a, a fan campaign um, where they're actually uh, tonight. If uh, uh, the night we're recording this on Thursdays is dropping tomorrow, of course, uh, they are going to be at this at a Peoria Sword Arena board meeting. And right now they have a, they have a change.org petition going on. They've been on local news. They, you know, people are talking about this. Uh Right now, they have a petition that has a little north, about 100 people north of uh, 1,500 people. Looks like they're probably going to have about 1,700 by the time the meeting is tonight. Uh, let me just refresh, because this thing is, gain- is gaining at least a signature every few minutes. Which and, is absolutely insane. Like, Yeah. And here's the thing. The frustrating part about this, here, from what I know the situation firsthand, here the the people that can maybe do something about it can't not because they don't want to there this there is money that can that can absolutely be used to get us a new ice plant there is money there the civic center right now i'm not sure if they want it they that's the only reason they don't want to close down the arena for a few months to put in a new plant. And this plant, by the way, is as old as pure pro hockey itself, which is like early 80s. Yeah, That's and a I long, believe... The fact that the ice plant is still going is insane to me. Yeah. And Mark, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the chemicals that are used in this ice plant are now li- labeled toxic by the uh, EPA. It, it's some sort of weird thing. Like, it's an old thing. And because that, it makes the stuff that they use, like the coolant that they use for the ice plant, pretty freaking expensive. Yeah, so not exactly in the greatest situation uh, for Peoria. I mean, I think personally this meeting, is, it's what's going to happen tonight uh, as we're recording it. I'll probably have, I, I, I'm, I'm knowing some of the people that are going dollars to donuts, we're probably going to have some kind of thing happen, and I'm not excited on that part, but well, here's um, the thing. I, Bart Rogers, there's people within the team that have been like, hey, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. That, but here's and, when and, we always have these things, something stupid happens. So that's the part I'm I'm kind of interested to see what happens. But um, I guess, Mark, I, 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 I you might disagree with here, Matt. I, I, I also kind of want your interest on this. This, this is basically, I wouldn't say this is the last stand, but this is basically it, you got to have people coming in and kind of rallying for this a new ice plant to come in I, because I don't see any other way. The arena seems dead set on basically not renewing this contract and just kind of moving on from the Riverman. Basically, because like I said, there is money within the ownership group of the Riverman that they could absolutely use, and they and I feel like there is a want to use it. 
because the urban owners like uh, uh, believe uh, CSH International and Bart Rogers, they have money. <laughs> they got money. They could absolutely do it, like pay for the ice plant if need be, at least with maybe a little help. But the but the civic center does not want does not want it, and to me, the fact that they are trying to push out a forty plus year old team, I believe that here if I'm a pure if I'm pure city council, losing a a sports franchise in your in your city, especially one that is long tenured, such as the Rivermen. Is would be a horrible look for the city as a whole, because that to me would so hmm, you know, economics, you know that that doesn't look good. That means that all of a sudden this can't survive here. I mean, it, it'll look bad on the current health of the city. If I'm if I'm a pure city council, I'd be doing whatever I could to keep the civic center from kicking out the rivermen. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I kind of want to hear your takes on this because I don't think we've ever really had a conversation about this. I mean, this has been just kind of an insane situation from every aspect because I, I think I said this in the very first episode. Go back to 2018, 2017, say in five years, the Peoria Rivermen are facing, you can almost call it an eviction at the end of the season, uh, and it's not really their own fault. I mean, who would have thought that? You know, the history of the Rivermen in Peoria. That's what kind of makes us more unique um, when it comes to losing a franchise or potentially losing a franchise. Um, they're an esteemed hockey club. They have done um, immeasurable things to survive um, in the hockey market. They've, they've played in a wide variety of leagues. They've um, put a ton of effort out there into the community um, they're a very marketable brand um, they aren't a losing franchise they've um, had connections to NHL teams directly and indirectly they've had a lot of guys go from that organization to the NHL to winning Stanley Cups uh, and other various individual awards and team awards this isn't a team that you should be taking lightly and being, well, well, we don't want to pay for a nice plant, so adios. It's illogical. Um, I've read some of the articles where they were talking about how, well, ice hockey isn't the be-all, end-all for the arena, uh, but it is singularly your biggest winter attraction. Um, you're not going to get Disney on ice 25 times to make the same amount of money that the Rivermen make for that facility. So where they go from here, tread lightly. Uh, that's my advice to the city and, and to the arena. I mean, tread lightly. Figure this out because you are not going to want to lose this. There is not a lot of things in that region of the United States that can replace the community value, the economic value, and the attraction value um, of the Peoria Riverman. No, that's the thing. And, and like, and what you were saying earlier with the community aspect, like the amount of players past and present that live in Peoria 
and have made Peoria their home and have helped bring more local hockey, like helping out with the Peoria Youth Hockey Association, helping with the Peoria Junior Junior Movement, the Peoria Junior Mustangs, and the Peoria Mustangs, the juniors and youth teams. I mean, and not even just Peoria, too. uh, Local areas like Pekin as well. Like, you're... That's there's so much history there, especially now that you're getting Mustang players like former like people from Peoria onto the river and are doing great things like Alec Hagman, Austin Wisely, Mitch McPherson. Like, I just don't like that to me is such a valuable thing. And as you said, it just seems like the Civic Center just doesn't give a crap. And that knowing that the Rivermen were like the one of the first tenants of the Civic Center, because for as long as Civic Center has been open, there's been Rivermen. There's not been a winter where, or it says a pro hockey, there's not been a winter in Peoria with the Civic Center without, without professional hockey. But it seems like the Civic Center is so dead set on making. Maybe as soon as next winter to the first. Yeah, I, I wish the fans luck. I wish the ownership luck. Um, the players, I don't want to see this team move. I really don't. Um, I'm not a Riverman fan. Um, but at the end of the day, this is hockey. This is um, an important franchise to the league that they currently play in. And this is something that you don't really want to see uh, disappear and have to go through growing pains in another market. And that's that's another thing. If the Riverman would go, that that's losing a massive support being in the SPHL as a whole. Yeah. Now, again, the, the current idea, and barring any changes, it would probably be the franchise is, the franchise is going to move to Bloomington, which isn't super far from Peoria, but still to drive. Uh, you would obviously lose a good chunk where, where the casual fan at least is not going to make that drive. So it's just, it, it's bad for everyone uh, with the arena deciding randomly that they're just kind of done with hockey and just kind of not even really telling the team. They're just kind of just not renewing the contract. So, yeah. And that, and, and look, Bloomington was once like a good young market, but they've been burned so many times that I just can't see it working out for longer than a season. Hmm. Well, um, let's go and move on. Let's go and uh, round out this episode with uh, the SPHL standings. So number one, uh, Evansville Thunderbolts. Um, kind of their <laughs> default. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am enjoying the fact that Huntsville beat them finally last night uh, back at home. Uh, a good revenge for the, the one loss I had to see. Uh, during the Thanksgiving break. Um, uh, otherwise, though, I still feel like this team's overperforming. I, I I will keep saying it. This team well, isn't. They should. They're too hot for what they should be. Okay. The only reason they're they're in first right now is they played 19 games. That's also true. Like if you look at their percentage, like they may have the most points or three points ahead of the Rivermen, but their percentage is the fifth best. It's only the fifth best. Yeah. And like Peoria, how about this? Here's a good way of looking at it. Peoria's played five less games than Evansville, but only has one less win. 
Mm. That is uh that's very true. Yeah. Um, so I mean I I'm sorry, but Evansville said is only here because they played literally at least two more games than the rest of the league and typically around four to five games for most of the league more. Yeah. Matt, do you have anything on this or are you kinda tapped out? Uh you know, Thunderbolts they they played good hockey. Uh they're they're a good <laughs> no, hockey team. They, they're not like a bad team. It's just, you know, it, it's literally like Mark said, though. Like, it, it all comes down to uh, the awkwardness of the point percentage. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. let's go ahead and talk about... I'll say this, though, before yeah. we move on. They do have their... They have oddly adopted a Riverman staple. I will say this, and that's uh, uh, scoring a lot and then beating the crap out of teams. If you look at, they have the second most penalty minutes in the league. Well, speaking of kind of being the crap out of teams and really kind of your own players, Peoria, uh, after a very weak start, I would say, uh, they are kind of getting it back into gear. I mean, they are right now 10 and 3 and 1, 21 points, 0. 0.750 winning percentage. I mean, I mean, uh, from a weak start to now kind of nearly in control of the league. Uh, that, that's something Riverman fans have to be very excited about. Yeah, no, this is – and here's the thing. We're getting players back from – certain players back. Like, we just got Marcel Godbout back. The league – the who last year led the league in goals as a rookie. We just got him back this past weekend for the series in Vermilion County. And – I will say this. The, the 7-0-1 in the last eight games, that one is Evansville. So that's why, even though they are ahead of us, and it's only mainly because of points, that shows they aren't a bad team because they've been the only one to beat us in the last eight games. Yeah, and they I mean, did it in Peoria too, I think. Yeah, uh, Peoria. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, again, are we going to kind of get more into hot cold like we kind of saw in the start, or is this kind of the consistency staying? I, that's the question I really have. I don't think this is a bad team at all. I think at worst this team could be above average, but I'm I'm interested if they stay in top four, if they kind of hang around five and six. That's my big question right now. I mean, they've never been below the top three in their history, which is yeah. insane. <laughs> um, but I think this weekend will really so because even though they've already played them once, Huntsville is coming to town, and I know they just got Hunter Vorva back. Yeah. They're playing actually two games against them, so not just. Yeah, one. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they're playing two games against them this this weekend, both in Peoria. So I'll be very curious to see how that goes. If the here's the thing, no, do I expect the Ruben to sweep this weekend? No, and that's not because they're like Ruben are weaker than the Havoc. It's just the Havoc are always a tough out, no matter what, no matter mm. which way that. Because that's one thing with Riverman and Havoc. They're both really good teams, and they both just they, – they both can't really quite get over the hump of each other a lot of times, especially during the regular season. It's just kind of like they are who they are, and they will do whatever they can to try to beat the other strong team. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to another team that's kind of strong. Uh, Ronald's got that dog in them. <laughs> kind of yeah. – uh, only a point now behind again, uh, Peoria. Uh, interesting kind of revving back up for this team. Yeah, because they started off strong and then they kind of went cold for a little bit. And now they're 
four zero and one in their last five. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, like despite how strong they are, they are amongst the like top six, top seven. They have the least amount of penalty minutes. So yeah, I think they have the. Uh, it's let's see, it's Fayetteville. They have the third, which yeah, have the third least in the league. Yeah. Oh yeah, yep, thirdlies. So yeah, wow. But actually, out yeah, the only team in in currently a playoff spot is Pensacola that has less. Yeah. So I mean that's impressive. Mm-hmm. And, and so Roanoke is oddly enough not being the dirty dogs. They're just <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. just being dogs uh, like they're and it's working out. They have pretty similar numbers to Peoria as well, like. Like in like general stats, so I can't believe I'm going to say this, but there's a little bit of a chance we could see a rematch come mm. spring. You think and so? That All is right. possible. It's possible. All right, Birmingham. Um, I, you know, I'll take it. They they have been they they definitely. I think having Kevin Kerr as the assistant and uh, quotation marks is definitely a big help uh, for that team. Yeah, I don't know how. Who who got rid of them last time? Who? who uh, you told him who got rid of what? Kevin. Who got rid of Kevin Kerr? Because he was uh, with somebody Macon. else before. Yeah, why did Macon get rid of him? Because yeah, no, he's a genuinely really good coach in this league. Like he never was not. And Birmingham, yeah, no, Birmingham's going to be a, a tough team for the rest of the season. Like Kevin Kerr has got this team. Kevin, well. Even though it's a scissor coach, this team is especially an offensive juggernaut right now. Yeah, they're they're scoring. Uh, fifty nine goals four games, so far. Yeah, yeah, fourteen games played, fifty nine goals for. Like that's insane. That definitely has to be the most in the league per game. Uh, no, uh, Evansville and Pensacola both have sixty. No, but the, I mean per game though. Oh, per game, yeah, I think I think they're right there. Yeah, yeah, because here's the thing: Evansville's played 19 and has only had one more goal, and Pensacola's played uh, two more games to Birmingham and only have one more goal. Like he, the this team is beating you by literally putting more pucks in the net than you. <laughs> yeah, as uh, a goalie, you look at that yeah. schedule. That's the team you you kind of dread the most as a goaltender. You don't really want to go up against Birmingham. They've been playing outrageously good hockey when it comes to scoring goals. They they will pick you apart. Yeah, well, I mean, good thing uh, Peoria only plays them once this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, kind of moving into the next team, uh, Huntsville, uh, kind of a bounce back. They're starting to finally get some wins again. Um, and of course, this is my team, so I'm a little biased towards them. But, I mean... I feel like we're kind of, this is again, the Glenda Tulio special at this point, even for the final time uh, team kind of has an okay start. Then they have a bad kind of, not all oh, I won't say bad, but it makes uh, not so great uh, into Christmas. And then all of a sudden Christmas time comes and everyone's at a hundred percent and this team is rolling. And it, I'm starting, I'm getting the feeling we're starting to, we're coming back into that pattern and we're reaching the end of that because again, shout out last night for Huntsville uh, not last night, but Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, uh, for against Evansville, uh, you know, again, <laughs> this team likes to keep going, and yeah, I'm, I'm seeing positive things from this Huntsville Havoc squad. Yeah, like they're they're looking a bit more like the Huntsville Havoc that we're used to seeing, 
And but they'll be having a good test on the road this weekend. Yeah. They're a tenacious yeah. hockey team. They they always have been. They're they're hard to shake off. Um, so I mean, there's obviously a reason why you're a fan of them. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, he. It's it's totally um, it's it's just it's it's totally not the oh I'm born and raised in Huntsville part that's yeah. not it ah. no but but I mean like like there's there's lots of people outside of that market that are are fans of this team I mean there's there's a reason for it they stick in every game that they're in for the most part I mean sometimes they're a little bit like the like the ocean tides they're they're here and then they're gone but when they're here they're they're on they're mm. a good team yeah. Speaking of teams that have kind of um, they have off seasons a little bit, Quad City. I mean, kind of yeah, what has they happened? Start off, they yeah. started off four and like they started off four one and zero, and since then they've been five and five in the last ten yeah. games. And now right. they have a nine and six record, middle of the pack. At this point, they could be starting because it's just crazy. I, I would say I was about to say like they're fighting for their playoff lives, but. Nine through two are only separated by like five points right now in the SPHL, which that's a whole other thing. Like the whole league, right? For most of the league, it's just really close. Yeah. Like I mean, there's no team that like, like some teams do look stronger than the others, but then it's just like, well, you know, it's only, it, it's just ridiculous right now. Yeah. Uh, kind of, it's a very similar record, at least same winning percentage Knoxville. Up and down, up and down with this team. That's all I, uh, all I feel like. Yeah, this. because before this weekend, they were like actually like in the top three. I think. I think that, like top three or top four. Uh, I think they were number four. Yeah, but oddly enough, they got. I know on Sunday they got shut out by Fayetteville. Yeah, that was random. That that that's random. Even coming from Rando. Uh, <laughs> uh, who who else? They they had to have lost. Um, let me go back on Knoxville. Knoxville. They lost. Yeah, three zero shutout. And then I'm trying to. Like, there were so many they games also, this uh, weekend. Hold on. Oh, they just didn't. I think they. I think they only played one. They played Roanoke. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. They lost to Roanoke three to two. Hang on, Knoxville. I was on Thursday. Yeah. So they. Yeah, they, yeah. So they only played two games so far this month, but yeah, they lost uh, in Roanoke to Roanoke. So, yeah, yeah, they're not exactly having the greatest uh, December so far. Yeah, kind of a rough start. Through, uh, they've lost three straight now, only getting one point out of the last three games. It, yeah, they Nashville's going to need to do something to turn it around here soon. Because well, here's the here's the issue. Uh, the day we drop this, they are playing Quad Cities. Uh, the Quasi Storm. So, yeah. the, this is a, this is kind of an important game for both of these teams to kind of turn it around uh, a lot. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on for. Um, but speaking of teams that are kind of again, we're kicking while they're down. Point uh, five hundred, the team, uh, literally in every single aspect. Pensacola, they're eight and yeah. eight, sixteen points. Point five hundred, sixty goals for, sixty goals against. I mean, come on. It's so I've said this multiple times, multiple weeks, but it's just so weird to see Pensacola just in this weird middling spot. Like, what is happening? Like, yeah. And the thing is, there it's not even it's a little bit like the Delaware Thunder situation where they are typically competitive, but they just can't win some of the games that maybe they should. I'm incredibly uncomfortable looking at Pensacola where they are in the standings. 
It, it looks wrong, doesn't it? It does I, look wrong. I'm a Pensacola fan, so like this, <laughs> this is really upsetting for me. Oh. Um, I've, oh. I've been, I've been having issues all year. Uh, I no, I no, I'm not even going to get into it. You know what? My feelings are too hurt. I'm done. <laughs> oh, come come to Huntsville, Matt. There you go. No, yeah. no. If, if I'm going anywhere, and it's yeah, it's going to end up being Knoxville. But let's not oh. say that. Up. I thought you would oh, go bye. back to Bloomington. Wow. Well, come come <laughs> to Peoria. We'll treat you right. No, yeah. no, I'm good. I have <laughs> issues with them from when they were in the American Hockey League, and my Manitoba Moose. Let's Ooh. not rip oh, off that band. No, no, oh, we'll, we'll have words after this. Uh, uh, let's see here. Anyway, okay, Fayetteville. Yeah. Um, they literally, if if they win like one game, they're above Pensacola and they're back in the playoffs. I mean, Fayetteville, again, I'm not going to call it a fall for glory because we kind of saw the signs last year. Um, but still, um, not exactly super great for this team. You would think they would be up there. Yeah, but it's another situation of they have moments where they look like the worst team in this league, even with Vermillion County involved. They sometimes look like the worst team in this league. But then they have other times where they're like, oh, this team's actually pretty good. Yeah. And it's just like, what? who do you want to be? What do you want to do? You know, you, you got your future coming up. You got to do something. But no, they just decided to kick the can down the road and just – and just play video games all day. No. <laughs> all I'm, right. I'm not going to acknowledge Fayetteville until they acknowledge the Fire Ants. Ooh. Acknowledge oh, me. That's, that's acknowledge um, me. No, no, you know what? No. That's a sensitive topic I think they're having a Fire Ants night. Yeah, they're having a Fire Ants night. I was going to say. Yeah, I know. But they, they, they a fox. They, a fox is not fierce. You don't fear the fox? No, I don't. <laughs> Not at all. I, I Roanoke doesn't either. I mean, there's also if you if you really get you know, on Fayetteville's bad side, there's a different spelling of uh, Fayetteville. You could say that seems to get them pretty angry. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Macon. Let's just do the fun teams. Macon and Ruling Towns. Uh, kind of just bunch them up together real quick. I mean. <sighs> Ruling County, I feel like there's a team there. It's just I think there's so much there's just everything happening this offseason it really just it stunted the growth for this team. Macon, um it's just it kind of the same point, but it's just ownership when it comes to Macon. So Vermillion yeah. County okay. Vermillion County this weekend, this past weekend against the Riverman. I watched both games thoroughly. Game one was in Peoria. Vermillion County kept it close. They actually, I think they scored the first goal on Friday night. They scored the first goal against the Riverman in Peoria. Like, it, they were looking pretty strong. And then they still lost. And that they've had quite a few games like that this year where they come out looking strong, even scoring first, and then they just lose. But Riverman have also been that team this year where they get scored on first and then they're like, no, call an ambulance, but not for me. That's That's been the Riverman all year. But then... Saturday night in Vermilion County. What? They look like the Vermilion County of last year. Yeah. They looked, which it was just bad. Seven to it, one loss, right? Eight. I think it was eight to. It might have been eight to one. Yeah. It, it was. It was not good. If their off ice issues could be resolved, um, and that's a whole mound of. But, and then yes, on Sunday, though, on Sunday, they, 
against Evansville, who currently is the first place team. They only lost by one. So this goes back to the whole thing of are they trying to be competitive? Are they not trying to be competitive? Like what, what's going on here? Like I, I don't know. If they can get their off ice issues resolved, it's going to bring in more players, better players, um, and this team's going to get better. And then make do they make just, it that? Do they make it that far? I don't think so. And then making is just really kind, but just less exciting. Less less chaotic. Yeah. They're just bad. Like. There's nothing even really interesting to say about Macon nowadays, unless they have a, another ice plant failure. Like I don't, I don't want to say it because I'm, I'm somewhat friends with their head coach, but there are days where I forget they're even in the league. Oh, oh. I'm sure I'm going to get a ton of hate mail for it from all five Mayhem fans, but. <laughs> Yeah, there's times where now, do they even exist? Do they? Is there mayhem in there? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, the only mayhem that may be happening is via the ice plant or off the ice. Yeah, this team. What is going on? I, I would love for this franchise to somehow get up off of the basement floor dust themselves off and and at the very least hit the middle of the pack. But, but at know, the rate they're going, not happening. Although, you know what? I, okay, I saved Macon's the less exciting in Vermillion County. If you look at the Pelling minutes, Macon has the most and Vermillion County has the least in the league. Yeah, that's a really ironic thing when and they're both at the bottom. Like, that's, that's funny to me. If anything, that's more damning on Vermillion County because they're getting beat a lot and they aren't – they're just taking it. Typically, when you see teams down the bottom and they're just getting beat, they start fighting back physically. Like, if they can't do it on a score sheet, they'll just beat you up. Yeah. They, All have I can say about the they only Bobcats. have 147 penalty minutes. The Bobcats should pick up some of the players I've been recommended to them, not just by my agency, by other agents that I talk to. Because like, they could have like a good two, three sheriffs on that team that would, you know, do more than the Paul Beastnet dump and chase and eventually fight some guy and lose. They'll have, you know, guys there that can actually stand up for their teammates, guys that will, you know, drop the mitts, but they're not doing that. They've well, been offered know, guys that play from Europe and they're not doing that either. So, well, you know, where the Bobcats go, Japan, I don't know. In a, in a trade this weekend that in this past, in the last few days that uh, made, a couple of people I know really sad. Uh, this actually goes back to the whole thing earlier where we were talking about like, oh yeah, people in the locker room, like they get traded even if they don't, you know, they weren't any issue. In fact, they were loved in the locker room. Uh, Roy Conda got traded from Pure Riverman to the Vermillion County Bobcats future considerations this week. Yeah. Which, Which I mean, that's a great I- get for the Bobcats, but it, it, it I know why they I think I know why they Roman did it because I know Wisely just got back from injury, but at the same time, I still think that leaves a little roster slot open. It's just really weird. But I'll say this: the Bobcats got a really good player, got a really good defensive player. He he had a great hit against Romelli Kanye this past weekend. He got a couple of goals, not a couple a couple of assists, and had a great like hip check where he took out two Romelli County players at once. Best of luck to him in a struggling organization. That's all I can say. Yeah. yeah. I, 
So, uh, yeah. That's All right. Really and with that, we, I think we conclude our longest episode <laughs> so far. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. Just, just <laughs> over 90 minutes. <laughs> so I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised yeah. it was this long. I oh, yeah. We, we, I, knew, I knew just looking at the topics. We just said so this. I'm a long winded Canuck. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, no, I, no. It was good. This, I like this. All right. All right, guys, I have been the Meyer League Rando. You can find me on Twitter at Meyer League Rando. Mark, Matt, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at ProspectorHCKY. And Matt? I'm everywhere. <laughs> yep, you can <laughs> YouTube, find YouTube, Minor Pro Hero. Uh, Facebook, Minor Pro Hero Scores and Transactions. MPH uh, Sports Management, Facebook as well. We're on Twitter. Uh, there's a couple websites in the middle of being developed. You catch me here every once in a while on the web uh, on the podcast. Um, I might be going on a couple other podcasts here uh, just a little bit before Christmas and a little bit afterwards too. I'll announce those when those come up. Um, yeah, I, I'm everywhere. I'm not that hard to find. Yeah. So yeah. all five Macon fans, you can find me Macon. Sorry, not Macon. <laughs> Macon. You can find me. Uh... Just. Good luck trying to find a pencil to, you know. <laughs> what, what are you going to do next? Call them crayon eaters? <laughs> I could, but I mean, I think crayons are, are too delicious for them. So, for, for at the moment, uh, I okay. think they take the things you off the bottom of right. yeah, what I don't even do. All right. Yeah. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And I hope you, you enjoyed this episode. And make sure and leave it a comment down below, especially if you're, for, if you're from Macon. Yeah. Remember, hey. Mayhem fans, don't eat yellow snow. Okay. All, All right, right goodbye, well, everybody. Buddy, Thanks for coming out. Goodbye. Finals are done, at least for college. Bye. Good luck if you're in high school and you're doing finals. Enjoy the pain. Goodbye. <laughs>